just giving you insight and a window into uh, all of that. And part of our Vision Sunday is we will be receiving our vision offering. And I've said this last uh, four weeks or so, really wanna encourage you, uh, if you call this church home, this is where God's planted you, uh, to just go home this week and just take this little envelope. This is your uh, vision offering envelope. You can take this home with you and uh, just begin to pray, God, what would you have us bring? What would you have us give? And then be faithful to whatever God lays on your heart. We really believe, if you believe in the, what God is doing here and, and uh, have a vision for what He has for us as a church, I encourage you to give generously. Bex and I, this is the biggest offering we ever give every year because we really believe in what God is doing through this church. And so we wanna set up the vision and the future of what God has for us. I wanna welcome any guests we've got hanging out with us today. We're so uh, glad you're here and welcome to hang out with us in church and so glad you gave up your, your time this morning to come spend it with us in our 10 a.m. service and we pray you have a phenomenal time. Just a little bit of housekeeping um, before I preach. Um, our services are filling up. As you can see around you, there's quite a lot of people here and what would make our job real easy, our usher's job real easy is that when you come to church and you get here nice and early and I know we all like to get the aisle seat because it gives us an easy out when we want to just gap it. Uh, but if you, if you could help us out, help our teams out by shuffling into the middle of the aisles, it just helps that when people come, we can find them seats. Uh, if you like still want your aisle seat, that's fine. As long as you're okay with being interrupted in worship, you're fine to sit there. Like as long as you're right in the middle of the worship, uh, there are people like, excuse me, like, excuse me, okay, coming through, like let them through. Uh, if you're okay with that, then that's fine. You can sit on the end, but it would help us heaps if you just, when you come and just move to the center, that'd be absolutely uh, amazing. As, as I was preparing over the last few days with this message, um, I've been really wrestling with, with whether to bring this message and uh, in light of what happened on Friday and everything that's going on in our nation, I really was wrestling with it and um, thinking about changing it and stuff and I really felt the voice of God speak strongly saying, no, Steve, keep the message, stay with what you've got uh, because uh, God, I feel God really wants to stir uh, something right now in our church and in our nation to, that a people of faith would rise up with big faith in this nation. Uh, uh, this whole series is framed around Ephesians 20. Ephesians 20 uh, and 21 in the Amplified Version of the Bible says this, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As we lead into Vision Sunday, I wanna preach this message I've titled Big Faith. Uh, but not only that, I believe as a result of what we're going through right now as a nation, uh, I'm ex I really believe God wants to stir a people to live a life of big faith. Because no matter what is going on in this world, the answer to the brokenness of humanity is Jesus. The gospel is the only thing that will truly transform a human heart and take something evil and take it away and replace it with the life and the love and the grace and the goodness and the peace of God. The thing this world needs the most is the gospel to be, to be preached, and God is looking for a church that would rise up with big faith to go and take the Word of God into this nation. Amen. Come on, somebody, if you agree, say amen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I am going to preach a little bit today. I watched the Billy Graham documentary on Netflix, so I'm ready to go. 
Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. We are, friends, a people of faith. And I wanna give honor where honor is due. We are a church, and when you look around at all we have, it's absolutely phenomenal when you stop and pause and think about all we are as a church and all that we have. This all began as the seed of faith in the heart of Pastor Luke in Maryland. And we're so honored uh, to have them as still as our lead pastors. Have Marilyn in the service today, she's a lead. Come on, put your hands up together for Pastor Marilyn. She hates this. Pastor Luke's preaching in our Whangarei campus today and she just gave me the evil stare, so I'm, I don't think I'm getting paid this week. It started as a seed of faith in their heart, but to look around now and see all that we have is absolutely mind-blowing. We have six campus churches with around 4,500 people meeting in weekend services. Today, there'll be around 4,500 people in church in an Elam campus church. We've got three campus schools. We've got early learning centers. We have a Bible college training future church leaders and church planters and pastors and ministry leaders. We, we have facilities like you wouldn't believe. We have ministries all over the place helping people get out of their place of debt and poverty and impoverishedness to lift them out. What we have here is exceedingly, abundantly above anything that that seed of faith started with. But here's the cool news. We, can, we, we should stand with a sense of wonder with what God has done. We should have the sense of, oh my goodness, look at what God has done. But we should also carry a sense of expectation that if God has done this so far, my goodness, what exceedingly abundantly above could He do in the next 35 years of our church's life? It is exciting to see a church that lives with a life of faith. I wanna preach this word, big, big faith. We have a sense of awe and wonder, unbelievable. Let's continue to be a church that stirs and lives in the realm of big faith. I wanna look at the life of a guy called Abraham. He was in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. He started life out as Abram, and then he became Abraham. And uh, this guy Abraham is known as the father of faith. And if you've been in kids' church in the last like 20 years, you, you might know the song. There's a song about him. Uh, if you're new to church, this is gonna sound really odd to you, but be blessed. There was a song about Abraham. We learned it in kids' church. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right? I'm Father Abraham, and many sons, many sons said, Father Abraham, don't leave me hanging, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, left, I'm Father Abraham, and many, it went on and on. Left leg, right leg, nod your head, turn around, sit down, it went all the way. Can we just thank God for how far kids' ministry music has come in the last 15 years? My goodness. The fact that any of us made it with Father Abraham is beyond me. In fact, right now there's kids leaders, there's dream team that are looking after your kids in Power Zone, in Voltage, in Power Tots, in Power Sparks, doing an amazing job loving and teaching your kids the Word of God. Put your hands together. Let's make sure they hear us this morning. Amazing dream teamers. Abraham's story helps us to understand what it looks like to live a life of big faith. And I wanna stir faith in you today. Let's be a church that lives with big faith. Number one is this, big faith doesn't sit still. Big faith doesn't sit still. Um, my Wednesday, oh, let me let you in on a bit of my life. My Wednesday evening is spent um, assisting the eight-year-old boy's grade at the Pakaranga Athletics Club. And... Uh, 
There's about 20 to 30 eight-year-old boys in our grade, and we have them for about two hours or more doing four different events on a club night, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's, it's, it's scientifically impossible to get a group of 20 to 30 eight-year-old boys to sit still. I mean, it baffles scientists at a loss. Studies, research, you look it up, it's all there. No one knows, it's this bizarre thing. You get them in a group together and they cannot sit still. Like you put, boys sit down there, you turn around three seconds later, they are, they're strangling each other, they're wrestling each other. Someone's got a shot put in and is doing something with it. It's just, it's out of control. They just, they can't, it's like any spare little moment has to be used to its maximum potential to go and do something, to burn energy, to run around, to annoy somebody, to pick grass, to dig a hole, to jump on each other. They just like, it, it astounds me how they just cannot sit Still, do you know big faith is a little bit like that? Big faith just cannot sit still. Big faith, big faith doesn't sit still. Big faith is always moving. Big faith is always on, on the move. Genesis 12, verse one to four, we read this. Uh, the Lord speaks to Abram. He says, go from your country, the people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He hasn't shown him yet, but he's gonna show him. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. The Lord gives Abram a promise. He gives Abram a vision. He gives Abram a picture of his future. And what does Abram do? He doesn't sit back and go, oh, isn't that nice? He goes, all right, it's time to move because big faith does not sit still. See, the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. Like you can have faith, but if you don't have faith with action, the faith is just meaningless, it's dead. In fact, faith is not belief. Faith is not belief. Belief alone in itself, you can believe about all kinds of things, but faith is belief with action. That's what faith is. Faith isn't just believing something. Faith is believing it to the point where you start to move and you don't stay in that pace of belief, but you move into all that it is. And I'm gonna tell you, if there's one thing our nation needs right now, it's a living, active, moving, breathing church. It's a church that believes the promises of God, believes the message of the gospel, is convicted to our core that Jesus is the answer and is the hope for humanity and is not sitting back going, isn't this nice for us, but going, isn't this horrible for them? Let's get in there and let's take this powerful message and bring it to the world that so desperately needs it. A living, active, breathing, alive church. We can't sit still if we're a people of faith. We're gonna be continually moving and trusting God. Always moving. One of my favorite all-time activities of my life right now, this is like one of my most favorite things ever to do, is the Saturday afternoon nap. I love it. There's, there's a point in your uh, manhood, where you get to a certain age, where up until that point, Saturday afternoons were for running around and kicking balls and doing stuff, and then you cross a line, and it becomes the Saturday afternoon nap. It's the most glorious thing. It's wonderful. I'll book it into my day. It's amazing. So what I do is, I, I, I like many of you, maybe it's a Sunday afternoon nap. Bless you. We... I, I, I book it, and so I'm like, oh, it's about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and, and I find the spot where the sun is just coming in on the couch or on the, the chair. So I go, and I find my spot, and I just sort of wriggle into it, just close my eyes, and all the cares of the world drift away and melt into the couch. And, and within seconds, you know, you're starting to drift off, and 
It's just an amazing thing. The Saturday afternoon nap. But I tell you what, the longer I stay there, the harder it is to get up. Have you noticed that? It's like the more comfortable you get in that spot, the harder it is to move. And Bex has got like a to-do list for me because she's always got lists for me to do. Do this, do that, do this, pray for me. And I, I gotta tell you, there might be stuff I need to do, but the longer I'm in that chair, the longer I'm sitting there doing nothing, the harder it is for me to get up and move. I mean, there's points in the day where Bex is like, dinner's ready, I'm like, I don't even care, I'm here till tomorrow. Like, I'm just staying right the way through. I'm just so comfortable in my spot. And you know what? There's a point where we can get to as a church and in our own personal faith where we can become so comfortable and so okay with where we are, where we are able to manage where we are. And so we actually don't really need God to come through anymore in our lives because we can handle it on our own. See, can I ask you a question, church? Have you begun to sit still in your faith? Or do you still need God to come through from time to time? Have, you begun to sit, have we begun to sit still as a church? Or do we still need God to come through from time to time? I, I, still, I still wanna have in my own life those only God stories. Like only God could do this. Only God could make that happen. Only God can move in this moment. I, I wanna be at the kind of faith where, I, where, I'm, where I'm not just okay with sitting still and I can manage all of this. See, if you can manage it all on your own, you don't need God, then you don't need faith. But big faith is always moving because we've always got to move and go, God, I need you to come through in this moment. I want to be a church that needs God to come through from time to time. That has those moments where, God, if you don't show up in this moment, we're all stuffed. You got to come. You got to show up. You got to move. We need God to move. That's big faith, to believe God and keep on moving. Big faith does not sit still. Are you with me, church? Number two, big faith believes for more. Big faith doesn't sit still, and big faith believes for more. Genesis 15, verse four to six, says this. Now, now, this is the context of this passage. Abram is believing God for a son. He's got no son, he's got no heir. He's about 70-something years old, and he has no heir to his estate, and so he's, he's, he's like, I'm not, all, my, all that I have is gonna go to this person that, who's not my relative. I, I'm, I'm believing for a son, I want a son. All he wants all he's believing for is one son. And this is what God says. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram's just believing God for one son. He's going, God, just give me one son. All I want is one son. I'm believing for one. Just give me one. Just give me one. And God goes, no, Abram, believe for more. I don't wanna give you one. I wanna give you a nation. I don't wanna just give you one. I wanna give you an inheritance so big that every person on planet earth will be blessed because of you. He's saying, Abram, believe for more. Don't just believe for one, believe for more. Friends, some of you have been, you've been praying, you've been believing, God, believe, I just one thing, this is one. I just want this one thing, God, just come through on this one thing. I believe the word of God for you today is believe for more. God is, God is the God of super abundantly above anything you could hope, dream, ask, or imagine. I said that really fast. <laughs> he's above, He's beyond. You're believing for one, and God's saying, I don't want you to think one, I want you to think many. I want you to go bigger, I want you to believe for more. God is a God of more, a life of big faith, believes God at His promises, that He is powerful, that He is good, that He can move, that He can multiply, multiply anything He puts in us. I believe the one thing that we need now is to believe God for a bigger move in our nation. 
to believe that God could move in a, in a way that we've never seen in unprecedented ways. The one thing that's gonna drive out darkness is the light of the world. Come on, somebody. We need to believe God for more. In fact, as a people of faith, we aren't called to be managers or maintainers. We're called to be multipliers. We're not called to be managers or maintainers. We're called to be multipliers. Big faith believes more. There's a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. He says this master's got servants and he, he, he's going on a trip. So he gives to his servants different talents, uh, different measures of gold. And one he gives five, another he gives, gives a few, and I can't remember, two or three. And the other one he gives one. And so what happens in the story is as the master goes away, the, the servants, two of the servants take what is given to them and multiply it. They use it and multiply it. And then one doesn't, the one with one just buries it in the ground. And he comes back and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And he says, well, I just buried it in the ground and here, here's it back. And he says, you wicked lady, lazy servant. Why? Because he's not, God is not giving you things in your life to manage or maintain. He's giving you things to multiply. And, and whatever God places in your hand, he entrusts with you, to you to multiply. A lack of faith will cause us to move from multipliers to maintainers. But as a church, we've got to believe that God wants more lost people to be found. We've got to believe that this gospel message is not just for you and me. It's not just for this crowd that we have in the room here today. We have to believe that God wants more people to know the life-giving, hope-giving message of Jesus Christ. We've got to believe that more marriages can and will be restored. We've got to believe that more young people will find Christ like never before. We've got to believe for more churches and campuses to be planted. We've got to believe for more people to find hope and healing in their hearts and in their bodies. We've got to believe that more people can receive the power of God on their own life and be filled with the Spirit. We're gonna be, we're gonna believe for more. We have to believe, in fact, that if there's one lost person still in our community, we've gotta believe for one more. We've gotta keep believing for one more. Always going after more. See, big faith means that we don't plan for where we are, we plan for where we're going to be. We don't prepare for where we are now, we prepare for where we're gonna be. That's what faith does. We can prepare for where we are now, that's fine, but there's no faith there. Faith says we prepare for where we're going to be. Pastor Luke, when he started this church, they had a handful of people in the church and they built the church for a thousand people because you prepare for where you're gonna be, not where you are. That's what faith does. You know, we, we just launched our sixth campus last weekend and people would be like, why are we doing that? Why are we launching more campuses? Like, don't, isn't what we have good? Of course it's good, but we believe for more. Like, like, it wasn't okay and comfortable like what we had before. We had a bunch of leaders that were our leaders that were youth pastors and young adults pastors, the, the Frost, and we had about 50 people go and pl help plant that church. It wasn't, wasn't, what was wrong with what we had? Nothing was wrong with it, but there's always more. And so when we launched the campus, do you know what? 429 people showed up last Sunday at our Papakura launch. Isn't that amazing? God is good. Why? Because there's always more. And we have to be a church that believes for more. So we will plant more campuses. We will run more services. Sorry, music team. We will do more because we've got to believe for more. Big faith believes for more. Can I ask you a question? Church, are you managing where you should be multiplying? In your own faith, are you managing where you should be multiplying? In, in, your own, in your small group, are you managing where you should be multiplying? With the gifts God's put in your life, are you managing where you should be multiplying? With your finances, are you managing where you should be multiplying? With the gifts of God in your life, are you managing where you should be multiplying? As a church, are we managing where we should be multiplying? Powerful question, big faith believes for more. My last thought is this, as the band joins me, big faith asks for more. 
Big faith doesn't sit still. Big faith, it believes for more, but it doesn't just believe for more, it actually starts to ask for more. It takes faith to ask God for more. It takes no faith to pray prayers for what you already have. But it takes faith to ask God to move in greater ways and greater measure. We read this interesting exchange between Abram and God in Genesis chapter 18. And in this exchange, Abram is speaking with God because God is going to destroy the city of Sodom. There's all kinds of evil and stuff going on in Sodom and God wants to destroy it. And so Abram goes before God and he says, God, would you destroy that whole thing? What if there's righteous people in there? Would you destroy it all? Even the righteous in, the, in amongst it? And then Abram says to God, God, if, if, if I can find 50 righteous, if there's 50 righteous people in there, would you spare the city? And God agrees. God says, if there's 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. For the sake of 50, I'll spare it. You're like, wow, that's a great answer to prayer. That's amazing. But then Abram goes back to God and he says, well, don't be angry at me, God. I know that you've said yes and I know you've been good and I know you've answered my prayer, but what if there's 45? If there's 45 righteous, would you spare the city? And God says, yeah, okay, I will. Then he goes back and he says, God, don't be angry at me. I'm gonna ask again. If there's 40, would you spare it for 40? God says, yes, I'll spare it for 40. And then he goes, God, I know I asked and I know I've prayed and I know you've answered me and I know you've heard this request and I know you've been good. But if there's 30, would you spare it for 30? God says, yes, I will. He goes back again and he says, God, don't be angry at me for asking. But what about 20? Would you save it for 20? There's just 20 righteous people in a whole city. However many hundreds of thousands in that city, like, would you just, just 20? God says, okay, I'll do it for 20. Then he says, God, what about, what about this? I know I've asked and I know you've answered me and you've answered me so generously and you've answered me so amazingly and you've done all this, but don't be angry at me asking because what if there was only 10? Would you save the city for 10? God says, yes, I'll save the city for the sake of 10 righteous. Can I, can I tell you, church, God will never be angry at you for asking for more if it lines up with His purpose, His will, and His goodness. See, you asking for more so that that more can be used to bless other people and expand His kingdom and spread the gospel and spread love and, and to take what you have and be a blessing to other people. God will never be angry at you if your motives for asking for more are in line with who He is. Abram asking for more, God would never get angry at him for asking for more because saving more is in the heart of God. Generosity, reconciliation, restoration, it's in the heart of God. Mercy, it's in the heart of God. So you asking for more, God will never get angry at you for asking for more. And some of us were praying, we, 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 we used to pray and then we got stale or stagnant or something happened or God didn't answer the way we thought He would. And so we stopped asking. Or maybe God's been really good to you and you're thinking, man, God's been really good to me. I don't wanna push my luck. Can I, can I encourage you to ask for more? To begin to ask God, God, give me more influence. God, expand my territory. God, give me a greater a capacity to, to love people and to share your good news. God, give me a greater level of finances so I can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. God, give me greater resources so I can do what you're calling me to do. 
at the start of this year, actually the end of last year, I was praying into 2019. And I really felt God speak to me about a couple of things. And one of the things God spoke to me about was about writing down my 10 big asks, my 10 big prayers. And God challenged me to pray these 10, 10 prayers every single day for 365 days. So every single day of the year, I'm gonna pray these prayers. And they ask, they're just asking God for more. Here's the thing, my life would be just fine if God never answered any of them. They're all about more. But every prayer is not about me, it's about what God wants to do in and through me to this world. So I'm praying, I've got this list of 10 and I'm praying, I'm praying God, I'm believing for my dad to make a strong commitment for Christ this year. It's an ask. My life would be just carry on just fine if God never answered that prayer, but I want more. God, I'm asking for a greater level of anointing and insight into your word that I could preach the word and it wouldn't just be nice, but it would actually shape the hearts of people and stir people and change people. God, I'm asking for more. God, I'm asking that you anoint us to raise up and release leaders and pastors and preachers under our ministry. I'm asking for more. God, I'm asking that you pour out in ways I've never seen. I'm asking for our church to grow by over 10% this year on last year. Why? Because I'm asking for more. We could be just fine without that extra 10%. In fact, life would probably be simpler without it. But we're asking for more. I'm asking for more. And can I encourage you, church, to do something? When you go home today, write your 10. Write your top 10 big asks and begin to ask again. Do you know, not one of those has been answered in its entirety yet. So I'm praying those 10 prayers every day. And we're now in March. And not one of them has been answered in its entirety yet. But here's what I'm doing. I'm asking every day. The persistent prayers of a righteous person are powerful. If I gotta pray them for 365 more days, I don't care, I'm gonna keep asking. Because I'm asking for more. Asking for more. Big faith asks for more. And we ask for more. We can ask for more because of Ephesians 3.20 telling us that He is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, super abundantly more than we could ever dare ask, think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, as we approach Vision Sunday, can I encourage you as a church, as a family of God, to join with us in living a life of big faith, that as a church, we will not sit still. We will keep believing God for more and we'll continue to ask God for more. And let's just see what God might do. Come on, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Let's just take a moment. I'd love to just pray real quick for maybe some in the room that um, these words I've spoken have really resonated with. Maybe today, if you're in this room and you've settled, you know you've settled and it's time to move in faith, move again. You've, you, you're, you're totally fine on your own. You, you don't need God to come through in any way, any shape, any form. Maybe you've settled in your faith. I'm believing that God's gonna bring some only God moments to you where only God could do that. You step in faith and move in faith, begin to move again. For those in this room who need to believe for more, let's always be a church that believes for more lost people, more souls, 
more people that need the power of God, the healing power of God, more people that need to know the life-giving relationship that Jesus can bring more. Maybe you need to believe again for more in your own life, more influence, more uh, ability to, to, to take what God's given you and, and multiply it. Maybe those in this room that you stopped asking, it's time to ask for more again. Maybe God's been real good to you. That's fine, ask for more. Maybe you've been praying for something for so long and it didn't happen the way you thought it would or should or could. But can I tell you, time to ask again, ask for more. God, we pray in the name of Jesus. If any of these relate to you, just receive this prayer. God, in the name of Jesus, I come and I thank you that you're a God of exceedingly abundantly above. You can do so much more than any of us could even imagine. You've already done it and you'll do it again. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who've settled, cause them to move again. God, I pray for those who stop believing for more. May they believe again for more in their life. And God, I pray for those who stopped asking, Lord, we ask again for more. As a church, we ask for more. Give us greater influence, give us greater capacity. Give us greater movement and momentum to shape this nation in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closing here, but I'd love to pray one more prayer today. Um, I don't know what brought you into church. I don't know how how you got here or why you came, but I do know this, every single one of you is loved by God. You're loved so dearly and so deeply by Him. You're not a mistake, you're actually created on purpose, for purpose, God's got a great plan for your life. We all mess up, we all sin, we all fall short of God's standard, we're all broken on the inside. And our sin, it separates us from God, but God in His amazing, amazing grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. He lived the perfect sinless life, and when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I were due for our sin, our guilt, our shame, our suffering. He took it upon Himself. And then He conquered death in the grave, and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every one of us. There's a free invitation here today, friends that you could receive His free gift of grace, forgiveness for all your sin, all your wrong, all your guilt, all your shame, forgiven, done away with. You get a brand new life that begins right now. The Bible calls that being born again by the Spirit of God. God can come in on the inside of you and make you a brand new person. He can transform your heart. You then get to walk forward into the great plans God has for you. He's got a plan for your life. He wants to bless you and prosper you not harm you. He wants to use you to shape and change this world. Then you get this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And I'd love to extend this invitation today. If you don't know Jesus, but you want to, or maybe today, today you'd be honest and say, man, my life is far from God. I've known Him before, but I'm not really in line. I'm not really living for Him. And today's your day. Now is your moment to get your life right with Him. If that's you, either one of those those groups, you just pray this prayer along with me. I'll pray it out loud, you pray it in your heart. Just say these words, say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned and I've messed up, but I do believe Jesus, you died for me. Right now, I turn from my old way and I turn to you. I ask you to come into my life, be the Lord of my life, make me brand new today. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. Just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to do something really brave right now. I want you to take a very small step of faith. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Be bold, be brave, don't be ashamed. 
All I will do is I'll acknowledge your hand. You can put it straight back down. I'm not going to stand you up or call you out. I want you to be brave though. Ready? On the count of three, if you pray that prayer, one, two, three. You put your hand up nice and high right now. He's saying, Steve, that's me. Yes, I see you. I see you. Yes, amazing. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. I want to know him. I want to give my life to him. Incredible. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. We give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. God, we thank you for a church of big faith that continues to believe for one more. I thank you for those who've come to know you today. I thank you for the life-giving power you're putting in their life right now. I bless them now in the name of Jesus. God, we honor you for them, and we celebrate with you for their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. What a great word this morning.